Well, um, you know, this is the new year. And so in the new year, um, I've really been praying about the vision for this house and what God wants us to do as a community and um, and kind of get an understanding of what our core values are. You know, our our values as um, uh, as a church, our vision statement um, has always been uh, since uh, Pastor Allen has planted this church, that we are a word based church led by the spirit, that we believe in the infallible word of God and uh, and that this word will never change. But we're also led by a very living, present Holy Spirit who resides in us. When you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit of Christ. And so we're a word-based church led by the Spirit. And uh, and when I came in here, I didn't want to just come and just, you know, guns a-blazing, telling everybody what I think should happen at New Life City. I actually wanted to get God's heart for this church. And so I, I didn't. I just kind of stayed and prayed and, and just kept saying, okay, God, would you fill me with uh, understanding and with what you want to accomplish in this church. And God gave me um, uh, several things that I think uh, I want to release in as, as core values for our church. And so I have like a rough draft of a PowerPoint that I'm going to ask John to pull up now. Um, and I'm going to beautify this through the staff. The staff is going to help me beautify this vision. Okay. But this is kind of like the, the, the bones of it. And, uh, and as God continues to unfold it, we will, uh, you know, kind of bring you guys along with it. But um, the first thing is I, I felt like the Lord wanted us to have uh, value. Now, one of the values that I have, before we go there, John, one of the values that I have uh, is that God's laid on my heart is about unity. And I, I believe that there's, there's a special calling on this church and on our lives to be uh, united, um, that whatever God's doing, it's not going to be that we're the only uh, church that God's going to use. He's going to use every church in Albuquerque, every church that's willing to be used. And, uh, and so, um, we're not, you know, it, oftentimes when you're in a stream, when you're in like a certain type of denomination or church, you're like, we are the river of God and every other smell fouling, <laughs> foul smelling tributary is like these other little rivers, right? And, uh, or these other little tributaries. But the reality is, is that I believe personally that every little denomination or church has its own glory. And, um, and they have their own value. Like I have such a, a, an appreciation for our Baptist brothers and sisters who honor and value the word of God so much and are just studying it and speaking it and don't stray from it. And, and I'm like, man, there's a glory. If you can receive the glory on the, on the Baptist church, man, you can, you can receive a lot. And, uh, and so I believe that we all are streams of God that go into the river of God. And uh, if you believe in the, in the basic tenets of the faith, the Nicene Creed. Now, of course, there's people that some denominations that think they're Christian, but they don't believe that uh, Jesus is the son of God. Well, you're not a Christian if you don't believe Jesus is the son. I mean, there's some basic things. But, but, but see, the, the reality is, is that within uh, church, uh, there's all these kind of divisions that really kind of... Um, you know, uh, spring up and, uh, we kind of love to divide over division. Um, Protestantism, you know, you know, within Christianity, there's 60,000 different denominations, 60,000. It's crazy because we actually just split over everything. Like if there's a little difference, it's like, you know, it's not like whether to be baptized or not to be baptized. That's actually something we divide over too. But it's like, um, do you, do you sprinkle when you baptize or do you dunk? Do you baptize when you're a baby or do you baptize when you're an adult? Divide. You know, so it's like uh, cover your head or not cover your head. Divide. 
you know? Do you wear a suit on stage? You don't wear a suit on stage? Divide. Um, you know, so uh, there's, there's tons of divisions. And so, you know, that's actually how Protestants got their name. The Protestantism means protester. We didn't even name ourselves. Catholics named us. In the Reformation, in the 95 Thesis, Martin Luther puts that on the door and, and all these uh, Protestants start, you know, all these people start rising up. And so the Catholics are like, look at these protesters. And, and, you know, in Latin, that's Protestant. And so we took that name on. We're like, yeah, we're protesters. And so we're really good at protesting. It's like, they're not using an organ. We're protesting. Divide. <laughs> right? Come on. So, um, Unfortunately, that's, that's the bad inheritance. The good inheritance is that there's things we can unite over and we can love each other through. And, uh, and I think that when Jesus prayed that we would all be one as him and the Father are one, that's something that we should try to drive towards. And so, you know, like, I, I hope to God that if, if, Paul, if the Apostle Paul was alive today and he wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus or the church of Albuquerque, that we would get a letter but it would, we wouldn't be the only church that would get a letter. The Church of Albuquerque is a big thing. And so um, we, we, we want to be a part of that. And I believe that on, on our house, we have a calling to unite. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edges of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion for the Lord commanded the blessing life forever. And what's it look like to be uh, uh, in, 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 in unity? Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And so those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, put on kindness Humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. It's hard to change what you don't love. If we want to change how the church moves in Albuquerque, we gotta love the church. If you wanna change Albuquerque, we have to love Albuquerque. And there was a call, there was a prophecy that was given earlier at the end of the, uh, excuse me, later at the end of the year by Joel and Hannah Dumaine, where they said that we would be like uh, oaks of righteousness planted by the river for Albuquerque. Because Albuquerque in Latin means white oak. Who knew? I didn't know. But these French Canadians came and told us. <laughs> C.S. Lewis wrote this, quoting him. He said, that they all may be one is a petition which in my prayers I never admit. While the wish for unity of doctrine and order is missing, all the more eagerly let us try to bond of charity. I, 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 I have doubts that we'll ever try to have one type of doctrine throughout the whole church of, of God but I do believe that if we love each other, we can bond over that. We can bond over the love for one another and charity. All who profess themselves, this is Lewis again, Christians are bound to offer prayers for the reunion of the church, now last a torn and divided. I don't think that we're just one ship, but I believe that the church of God is many different ships that kind of look a little different, different sizes, but we're all going in the same direction. And that's how I view us.
We're one of the ships of God, going in the same direction, pushing forward for the kingdom of God. You guys okay? You're so quiet. It's okay. It's cute. All right. So, so unity is a big part, I think, of, of who we are. But when it comes to the core values and the vision, um, there's four core, core values that I believe God's given us. One of them is the presence of God, that we would be uh, prioritizing the presence of God in our church. When we worship God, we come to encounter God. We come to worship him, lift up his name on high. We believe that God inhabits the praises of his people and that his presence is tangible, that it's not just some theory or some allegory or some, some sort of metaphor about God's presence, but God's presence is present and that uh, we are the temple of God, that God's presence lives in us and we can be carriers of his presence by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that one of our calls as a church is to connect people to God and God to people. That's a call on my life, and, uh, and I believe it's a call on this church. I also believe that we can experience God in worship and in ministry, that when you come to church, this isn't the only place to experience God, but as you come to church, this is a sanctuary. It's not just an auditorium. It's not just a venue. It's not like any other place because we've dedicated this place to God, but you can experience God here, and you can take God with you. Uh, the next principle and core value I think we, we need to follow is that we believe in the power of prayer. That prayer is an essential core value of who we are as New Life City. We believe that prayer is heard by God, that God actually hears our prayers. We believe in praying for our city. We believe in healing prayer and that you can pray for someone's healing. We believe that prayer is powerful and that prayer changes things. That when we pray to God, God hears our prayers, but we also, our hearts get aligned with God's heart when, in prayer. And so as, as a core value of who we are as a church, we, we, we honor the presence of God. We believe it's tangible. We also now believe when we, I know we always believe this, but I'm just kind of articulating it for us so that we can simplify it. We believe in the power of prayer. It's a huge core value for us. Uh, the third thing is transformation. We believe that the Holy Spirit can transform us, uh, not just through like behavior modification, but that actually that there's an inner working of the Holy Spirit that would transform who we are, that we would turn more into his likeness. We believe in transformation through sanctification, that we can be set free and delivered from bondages and strongholds in our lives. We believe in the power of God to transform us, that he can love us as, that we can love as he loves. And, we, and God can transform our families, our community, and our city. This is the power of transformation that's possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not just behavior modification, but it's, um, it's the Holy Spirit actually doing a work in our lives, and we become a different person. I was talking to somebody in uh, Las Cruces uh, this past week who, um, you know, had a... They were just a... a in a really bad place, in a bad space, and they were going through some really different, they, they were doing horrible things, and they encountered Jesus. And they're so different that everyone's going up to them. That the, the gym they go to, the, the business they own, the people they're interacting go, what's different about you? Why, why are you so different? How is, you, how is it possible you're, you were one person one day, and now you're someone different? And it's because he encountered Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's working in his life. This is the reality of God. 
So again, we, we believe in the, the presence of God. We believe in prayer and the power of prayer. We believe in transformation. The one, the one reason why we're praying for the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, that, that life would be supported and loved uh, before birth and after birth is because we believe that prayer does work. That's why as a church, we're praying for the, uh, the, the abortion laws to be changed in this, in this country. Uh, our, and then a final thing is evangelism. We believe the call to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. We believe in personal evangelism and sharing the gospel through our everyday lives. We believe that we are called to evangelize. And we feel the call to evangelize the city of Albuquerque. We're not here to sit on our hands. We're not here to only honor the, the, the man or woman of power for the hour. But we believe that all of us can evangelize. So we don't have to wait for the one time a year an evangelist comes and we bring all our friends and family. Even though some evangelists have that amazing call in their life. But we're actually empowered to share the gospel with everybody. That's how we see the city saved. I'm, I'm sorry. I love crusades. I love the tent meetings, all the things that we do. And we do these mag, you know, magnificent uh, uh, events. And people do get saved. The Billy Graham style. I love that. But the reality is if you want to see Albuquerque saved, it's going to be through each and every one of us sharing the gospel. And so we have the call on this house to do that. So um, we're going to go through these different uh, core values through the year at New Life City. You guys are like the early birds. You're the, hey, I'm getting here the first Sunday of the year. So you get the good stuff. Um, and I'm going to reiterate this throughout the year. But the first series we're going to do this year is on the presence of God. The second series is going to be on the power of prayer. The third series is going to be on transformation and what that looks like. And then our fourth series is going to be on evangelism. All right. So there it is. Okay. And again, I did this PowerPoint by myself and I'm not called to do that. And so it'll look really beautiful and fancy once uh, the staff gets a hold of it. So anyway, so let's talk about the presence of God in the next four minutes. Because um, I do want to kind of land the plane. I went too long last night, so I got I to gotta shorten the, the length here. But we're going to speak on the presence of God uh, for a great part of the winter here. Um, scriptures often speak of the presence of God in human history. Most, uh, the most common Hebrew term for the presence of God is penim, which is translated face. Oftentimes in Hebrew, when they're talking about the presence of God, it's like calling it the face of God. Why is it the face of God? Because it's implying a close and personal encounter with the Lord. This isn't something where you're like, the presence of God is over there. When we talk about the presence of God in our lives, it's because he's right here. He's within us. He's, he's so close to us. And we have to believe this. We have to um, not just believe it, but accept it, that God actually loves us this much that he wants to be with us. The Greek word, um, uh, that, the Hebrew word is uh, panim, which is, which is translated face. The Greek word is prosopon, which has the same semantic range. It means, it means that close. Uh, its preposition is enopion, uh, also uh, commonly appears in several other Greek words, uh, which only appear a few times. Other places that kind of talk about the presence of God or um, uh, uh, like you know, uh, typologies of the presence of God is the ark of God, the cloud, the cloud of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, the glory cloud, um, uh, the tabernacle, the temple of God. These are all phrases or terms that are used throughout scripture that identify the presence of God. 
Let's, uh, let's look at 2 Samuel 6, 1 through 15. It says, now again, if you can read that small print, otherwise go to your Bibles. Now again, gather all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah to bring up from the ark of God, which is called the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. And they placed the ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. And they brought... Now, now here's the thing about this new cart. See, I think sometimes we mess up because we try to interfere with how God's presence is maintained. We kind of try to put man's touch on what God wants to do. And it messes it up. And we try to facilitate what the presence of God looks like or how the presence of God behaves. And this is where we get ourselves in trouble. We put it on a new cart. You know, I, 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 love the, I love smoke machines and, you know, how they highlight lights and all that stuff. But there's a reason why I don't want a smoke machine in this church. Because when the real presence of God shows up, I want us to go, we don't have a smoke machine. If it came that way. Because I want to see, I want to, you know, I, I don't mind if God interrupts my, you know, some people go, God would never interrupt the, the, the message. It's like, oh yeah. I, I'll tell you what, if, if worship and, and I love that God inhabits the praises of his people. And I, and I know that like even this, this morning worship was, was awesome. And God was, I felt God's presence and Stephen and the team did such a great job, you know, but I, I've told Stephen, I'm like, Stephen, yeah, and he knows this. We've, I've said it to you several times. If, if the Lord is moving and his presence falls in this place, don't stop. I'd rather worship for two hours than, than worship for 45 minutes and, and hear Paul's sermon. As good as Paul's sermons are. I mean, I mean you're not going to get this anywhere. Is that, is that what uh, Pastor Allen used to say? No, God will interrupt my message for his message. And I'm all about that. And, um, and when God's presence falls that tangibly, may we be so honoring to it that we don't try to touch it. So as they, um, so verse four, so they brought it with the ark from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, And Ohio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and lyres and harps, tambourines, castanets and cymbals. They had a full band. That's where we get justification in the Bible for all these instruments. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nikon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. See, may we, may, may we not be so arrogant that we think we need to touch God's presence to sustain it. And David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. So David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can, the, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? 
And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Obed-Edom, who is not an Israelite. Lucky Obed-Edom. And thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now listen, Obed-Edom, wherever the presence of God is, the blessing of the Lord follows. And so it's like the, the devil will try to distract you from going to go after everything else except the presence of God. Because I believe in the presence of God, solutions are developed. I believe in the presence of God, you can come into his presence and he can make right everything that was wrong. Like when I'm angry, upset, offended, and I think I'm right and I'm really, you know, and, and I get into the presence of the Lord. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm angry. I have a right to be angry. Do you really have a right to be angry, Paul? All that I've forgiven you for? Yeah, you're right, God. I'm sorry. You know, we get in our minds what it looks like for God to move in someone's life or, 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 or what it looks like for people to express things. And we get, we get our own judgments and, and we move outside of the presence of God. When we're in the presence of God, you know, I, I've been in so many Holy Spirit conferences, meetings, all these amazing things. And, and most denominations have their own conference. It's like the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, they have all their different little, and everyone in that denomination goes there, and the Catholics have their thing, and, and, and they have all their separate experiences, all their separate conferences. But when there's a Holy Spirit conference, when there's a conference that centers around the presence of God, it's full of every type of Christian. Why is that? Because when the presence of God is present, all those denominational lines start to blur because they're all centered around one thing, him. And honestly, I'd rather be in relationship than be right. Like, what, I'm, what do I mean by that? I'm not saying, I, of course, I think that everything I believe is right. And I'm sure you believe that everything you believe is right. But what I'm saying is that when when... I'd rather bond over the love of God that we have for each other than think that my doctrine's right over your doctrine and, that, and now I'm going to separate over you. Is this okay? Are you guys understanding? Even if I know I'm right, I'm not going to not love you. I'm not going to not come around you. I'm not going to not support you and, and, and hope the best for you and believe the best for you and do all these things. I remember like there's like little things like when I went to ministry school, I thought I entered into the circus. You know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and and I understood, you know, I saw people like fall down and and cry. And that's that's usually how God showed up in our church. You fell down or you cried or you spoke in tongues. You know, it's crazy when you study the moves of God, every move of God rejects the next move of God because it doesn't look like their movement. And they're like, and that's why when I was praying about, you know, uh, 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 ministering and I was praying about, well, you know, God told me a few years ago, he goes, Paul, I don't, I don't want you to build an empire. Because I was like, God, what is success for you? What does success look like? Do, do we build a big building? Do we get as many people in one building as you can and, you know, like a, and, 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 and just show how great you are, God? And, and God just said, Paul, I don't want you to build an empire. 
I want you to build an altar. And, and, he, and he talked to me and he just showed me how, how that when people build empires, they can't move when God wants to move. Because they're stuck in it. They got to support the empire. But when you study the Israelites, when God moved, they made a memorial to God to remember the move of God in that place. And then they went wherever God went. That's what I want to do. But when I went to ministry school, just to give you kind of some background, I remember, you know, thinking, man, this looks way different than when I, I mean, people weren't just falling over. They were shaking, rattling, rolling. And, and, you know, we did worship for 45 minutes every morning. And so we, I'm watching this and I'm standing there and I'm going, that's not God. That's not God. That might be God, but that's definitely not God. And, uh, and the Lord spoke right to me. He's like, Paul, the whole time you've been judging this worship, you haven't worshiped me once. I said, you're right, God. He said, uh, he said, do you know their hearts? Can you see inside them? Do you know if they're authentic or not? Do you know what I've brought them through? Do you know any of that? I said, no, God, I don't. He said, then don't worry about how they worship. You worry about how you worship. It's like, okay, God. Listen, there's people that might have expressions of worship that are different than yours for sure. But don't worry about how they worship. Worry about how you worship. I remember standing in the front of a church next to a pastor one time and there was some, there was this lady and she was doing the flags. She was doing one flag, two flags, double flagging. And I, and I just thought, why does she have to do that? Can't she just be like everyone else? Can't she like do this or this or this, you know? And the pastor said, you see that lady over there? I said, oh yeah, can't miss her. Right up there. He said, you know, when she was, uh, when we found her, she was uh, selling her body so that she could provide for her kids. We shared the gospel with her and she accepted Jesus. We actually took her under our wing. We helped her get some skill sets and now she can pay her own bills and she just worships her heart out. Now, you don't have to go through that to be a flagger, but what I'm saying is, it's like, wow, who am I to judge? Who are we to judge? We have a priority for the presence of God in this place. And I believe in his presence, things change. And Obed-Edom's whole family was changed. His whole generation was changed in his family line because he centered around. He had the presence of God with him. Listen, there might be so many things that we're going through right now. There might be a lot of obstacles, um, things that are dominating your time. And it's like you can barely breathe. You're, you're treading water. Let me tell you, get around the presence of God. It's going to change things. It's going to make a difference in your life. My friend Max Myers, he was a director of my ministry school. He wrote a book called The Tail That Wags the Dog. And he realized that when he was uh, running his own organization at one point in his life, he barely had any time for anything. And it was like he had to make all these decisions. And it's like every decision, you know, it was like two right decisions, maybe a wrong decision, two wrong decisions, right? It was like the, the, the tail was wagging the main part of who he was. And so he made this decision. I'm going to shut everything off. And every morning, I'm just going to lay on my face before God for an hour and just get what he wants to do. And I, I just think that some of the things that we're struggling with can all be resolved if we just host his presence 
in our families, in our lives. So God can change us more into his image. I love this part. In the next part of 2 Samuel, it says, And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told, King David saying, The Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on the account of the ark of God. And David went and brought up the ark from the house of Obed-Edom in the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. That's basically like flagging. And, and so David and all his house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. You know, instead of David trying to put God on a new cart and trying to have people touch the presence of God and show the presence of God how to act. He realized that he's just going to celebrate in God's presence and bow before him and sacrifice unto him and God. And he realized Obed-Edom is getting all this blessing. No way. I'm now going to bring the ark of God back into my house, back into my family, back into my city. I'm not going to just let it for someone else to take advantage of. Guys, let's take advantage of God's presence in our church. He changes things. We can encounter him to become an encounter. Come on. Why don't you stand? Come on. It's not changing. So just close your eyes, bow your heads, hold out your hands, assume the position. Let's pray. God, would you inhabit us this morning? God, may we encounter you to be an encounter, God. Father, may you uh, just touch us. Lord, may you fill us with your presence, God. Father, we believe that by your spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can encounter you, God. That you have every solution this world needs. You have every solution we need. And God, instead of getting distracted by looking for answers in all the other places in our life, may we not reach for anything else but you. May we value you. May we not try to put our own touch on it, but allow you to move the way you want to move. May we be sensitive to your spirit. May we be honoring to your spirit. May we value you and honor you in our house. God, I don't want my house, I don't want our houses to be full of anxiety, stress. I don't want our houses to be full of chaos. God, would you inhabit our house? Would you inhabit our families? May we make it a priority to host your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. May you have a fantastic start of this new year in this first week. Keep our sister Linda Ruane in prayer. She's not out of the woods yet. She's going in a good direction, but she needs more prayer. So God, we just bless Linda right now. We curse this disease. We command all the symptoms to go and we speak healing to her body. Father, we just come against the spirit of fear in that hospital room and we speak life over Linda right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, may she feel, feel your presence in that room. 
and, and that she would know she's not alone, but her family's praying for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. We're going to have some prayer ministers up here to pray for you and pray with you if you need prayer for anything, all right? Bless you guys.